1: Welcome to the Power Cat Podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Now let's go to the Rolling Flint Hills,
3: home of the Cats and Dogs Studio. Here's your host, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the Power Cat Podcast. I am Fitz. We're all on camera. We're all. We all have our little names. This is fancy, guys. It's fancy. Zach Carlson here in the Cats and Dogs studio with me. Ryan Gills Gilbert at the Secret Studio, his Aggieville suite, his Oasis in the Ville. Ladies, beware. Don't no, seriously beware. Uh, we're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It's right up the street. And after last night's performance by the Kansas State Wildcats, I think we would all probably uh, probably need to stop in and get something. <clears throat> it was not pretty. It was like uh, Ryan Gilbert sending you a selfie at 2 a.m. It's not pretty. I hey, don't I, send you anything at 2 a.m. Hey, ever. I, I need to apologize to Ryan Gilbert. I got shamed by my own mother for how mean I am to Ryan Gilbert. <laughs> and I go, but he's a known troublemaker. It's fine, mom. He he deserves this. But she says, I'm too mean to you, Gil. Yeah. So I yeah. always listen to your mother, right? Yeah, I do, actually. I do. Uh, unless I hang up. Hey, um, we get into the fridge. Just go see the people at the fridge. Say, help me. I watched K-State basketball on Tuesday night, and it'll be like a doctor's visit. They'll give you exactly what you need. Probably tequila after that. Uh, This is how it works. We're now on video, so you can watch us do the things we did without video before, and we kicked gills out of the studio because the smell. And um, it's... It's the same format though. You ask the questions at Wild Bass Station. And by you, I mean our subscribers at Power Cat. They ask the questions and then we answer them right here. Everyone gets to hear, only the VIPs get to ask the questions. Here are your questions from Wild Bass Station. Zach Carlson is back in reading duties. And I never quite understood why he's back to being the reader, but it's like a it's like a visit home after a long time away. His voice is soothing. Soothe us, Zach. Soothe us. Well, I'm sick, so it's not oh, really that's right. soothing. He's also sick, uh, so I'll be sick next week. Yes. Uh, from
1: Call Me T22, share your thoughts on the now released Big 12 football schedule for
3: 2024. It's weird. And I, and I mean this sincerely. And this is also a compliment to what the entire world observes that Oklahoma and Texas are, you know, the Big 12. That's what they think. But. In their defense, when you look at a schedule without them anywhere on it, either school, it's weird. And it's weird to have schools that just a few years ago you were not associated with as, as an institution. Half this conference next season will be different from a year ago. It's it's insane. It's, it's wild. Um, I look at this schedule, and there's so many unknown factors you know what i mean when you go through the big 12 you kind of know what you're experiencing with all these schools and all these teams you know what they're about how you know but now you've just got all these new teams you know utah's probably pretty good but i don't know what to do with arizona or colorado i still think arizona state's gonna stink but you know and then you start looking at the schedule and you're like i don't see any games that are are losses, You know, absolute, you're, you're going to go to Oklahoma. Well, K-State always won there. That's a horrible example. Uh, you're going to go to this team, and it's really hard to win there. I I see a bunch of games that K-State can uh, win, and uh, we'll just see where it takes them. What I also see is a, just a horrendous middle of the schedule. My DD today was about it. They have two home games from basically uh, the middle of September – um until the middle of november two out of eight weeks there's two bye weeks in there there's four road games and it is a five road game year for kansas state so that's always tougher but the way the big 12 lined it up wow if k-state is doing well after that and they come home to play two out of three at home at the end they're in really good shape but um i'm not a big fan of Uh, the crappy weather games fans will experience. And then they only have six home games this year, which is an oddity. And one of them might be on Friday. That's still to be decided on that Arizona game and the non-conference. It might be Friday. And if they put Friday on there as a possibility, I got to believe it's going to be Friday. I just, that's kind of what it seems like to me. So uh, I'm not overwhelmed by the schedule. I'm just disappointed in how it lines up for the fans. I'm surprised that with,
1: two bye weeks for everybody this year that there's only two possibilities in the entire conference schedule of a thursday night game there were a lot of thursday slash friday that's crazy or friday slash saturday there are only two thursday friday saturday games i
3: would have sworn we were going to play big 12 games on thursday on the regular i mean there's so much inventory i'm
1: surprised that i mean even the amount of friday slash saturday slashes you know there's there weren't very many of those. You'd, I would expect at least one or two at, least, at a minimum. I'd expect one weekday conference game a, a week per team. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I agree. Or at least
1: per team, but also each week of the conference schedule, I'd expect I've, a, a midweek totally game. Agree. So especially when it's, when it's a two by week season, you know, it makes sense that somebody would, would play some.
3: Yeah. I I was kind of baffled by some of the things I saw, about Gills. Oh, just that tough schedule in the
0: middle of the season. That's going to be, it's going to be, I I don't want to say brutal, but if K-State can come out of that one clean, then you're really starting to think about big 12 title and some, you know, some higher aspirations. Obviously you got to win those games first, but I, I, you know, you can complain about having a tough stretch like that, but also um, if you can come out of that in a good position, then you are set up well for a nice run at the end of the season when the schedule lightens up. So Um, you know, I think it's, you know, you already knew who you were playing. You already knew, um, which games were at home and away and stuff like that. So not a whole lot changes in my mind. Um, obviously, you know, that middle portion that was going to be tough.
3: Yeah. It's, uh, it's fascinating. I'm really excited about next year. There, there's a lot of new destinations, a lot of fun places. Um, it's the mountain tours. I mentioned, go to Provo, you go to, uh, Boulder and Morgantown. You don't go to Tucson, which is the fourth mountain. It's not. It's not the biggest of the mountains either. It's just it's a little mountain. Arizona State's close too. a State. There's some the mountains there. Yeah, what I, yeah. But anyhow, close. Uh, I mean the the three uh, stadiums nestled in the mountains. Yes. I like the word nestled. It's a good word. Use it. Next questions
1: from Daddy Long Legs. Hmm. What is the best Wildcat road trip this fall? New Orleans,
3: Provo, Boulder, somewhere else? I would have said New Orleans pre Sugar Bowl. Yeah, you know, I just the joy of Case Staters in New Orleans, like Case Staters in Vegas. Um, it it made my heart good. So I don't know how many people will go after just going you know, a year and a half prior. Uh, but I'd say that, but I think Provo, it's completely new. It is one of the most scenic iconic views in all of college football. Um, and I, it comes early too. It it's, you know, you're not going to run into snow probably with Provo cause it's a September game. It's the first big 12 game cause Arizona is a non-conference game. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm excited about Provo. I I might actually go on that one as I limit the number of trips I go on. But uh, I've heard so many wonderful things about the entire Provo experience um, and how the fans are and the stadium is. And I I really want to go to that one.
1: I'm surprised that K-State never got out of that two-lane trip or at least moved it to a different year. Right. With like, this whole conference. I mean, they whatever. scheduled this years in advance, knowing that this, you know, before conference realignment, this was going to be a five road game conference year. It's an yeah. even numbered year. You have five conference games. That's how it's been since 2010 or 2011, whenever they redid the conference schedule, you know, once they lost teams and everybody went round robin. So that's the biggest surprise. And if you're mad about the schedule, I think that's probably the thing that I'm most mad at, I guess, if you're a K State fan, is you have five conference games and you have this game at Tulane. Yes, it sucks that K-State starts on the on the road for conference play again. You know, I think you got to pretend in your head Arizona's a conference game yeah. and you get it at home. I think that's the the only consolation there. But I think if if you look at the schedule and if you're most frustrated by something, it's not the, you know, the 10 weeks where you only have two Saturday home games in good weather. You know, I think it's you should have gotten out of that New Orleans game, that two-lane game, and moved it to a different year to get, you know, a similar opponent that you can bring home. Um, you know, I think that there's, you know, especially with Colorado coming into the conference, getting out of that series, I think there were opportunities to take care of this two-lane problem. But like you said, I think before, you know, the Sugar Bowl, I think New Orleans definitely would have been been the All spot. Right. But, you know, once you've been once... You know, in less than 24 months, I don't think you need to go again. So I think that Boulder's probably going to be the one that the most K State fans will try to get to. Uh, but I think Provo's, like you said, probably the best road trip of the bunch. Gills?
0: You guys know my answer here, right? Yeah. Without whatever. question. Whatever. Any trip to Pittsburgh, what, even what if you you're not a, yes. a fake any, Yen,
3: Yenzer, what is it?
1: Yeah, he's a fake Yenzer.
3: Yenzer? You're fake. Born you're not a Yenzer. Yenzer. You're a pretenser. That's all I've got to say.
0: Any opportunity you get to go out there, it's a great opportunity.
3: It's it's a cool schedule. Let's go over it real quick. Um, <clears throat> UT Martin. Yeah, UT Martin, Tulane, Arizona. Then you open Big 12 play at BYU. You come home for Oklahoma State on September 28th. Okay, that's your first Big 12 home game technically. And then you have an off week before you go on the road for Colorado and West Virginia. And then you come home and play host to Kansas on October 26. So you've gone basically a month from September 28 to October 26 between home games. Um, And then you've got – is there another off week in there somewhere?
1: Yeah, it's October 5th and then November 9th
3: are your bye weeks. Yeah, I'm I'm looking right past it. My phone keeps going to sleep. Then you go to Houston – On the uh, November 2nd before that bye week. So you have now played four out of six on the road with two bye weeks. Two home games in two months. It's weird. And then, of course, you close it out. You got Arizona State and Cincinnati coming in in November. And then you go to Iowa State. And the governor of Iowa has promised me lovely weather. But it's Iowa, so they might think a blizzard is lovely. I, they're They're people of the north. I don't understand it. They play well in snow. I don't know if you knew that.
0: This happened last year, didn't it, with K-State? I think they had UCF at home um, after the Missouri game, right? But there was a bye week, and then there were two road games. Like, it was a long time. I think K-State had, like, one home game in an X number of day stretch. So this is, like, the second year in a row, Fits that this has kind of happened yeah. for K-State.
1: I think it's, like, the day after the Arizona game all the way to the day before the KU game. I think it's, like, 45 days or something.
3: I think the last time, if I recall this right, one of the last times we had the two-by calendar alignment. 2019 was the last time.
1: Okay, so Then 2016 had it, but also 2016 wasn't the result of the calendar. It was the result of there was no championship game, and the Big 12 decided to play all of their final games on championship game Saturday.
3: There was one season where K-State had two bye weeks and two Thursday games. So I had four Saturdays in football season where I could sit around and watch football. It was it like was 2014. Glorious. Yeah. <laughs> that's not going to happen this year as much, but uh, I, I do kind of, I like the schedule.
0: I you can get three if they, if they play that game on a Friday.
3: Yeah. yeah there you go. Well, that's great. Uh, then the Friday night. So you, K-State fans would only have five Saturday games and a Friday night game. Yeesh. Yeesh. Oh, well. The games are winnable. That's the important part. Yeah. Brings up the next
1: question from came to elevate. Is this the weakest home football schedule in the last 35 years since Bill Snyder took over?
3: Yeah. I mean, if you had Oklahoma coming in, it made it better. Texas coming in, it made it better. And even when TCU is good or someone else is good, the TV networks aren't going to react that way. Cause they're, they're like trained dogs. Oh, global. Yeah. It's just kind of, they they just put those on. I, I love the graphic that popped up about the, the top rated teams or you know, these blue blood teams that get the highest ratings. I'm like, yeah, because you're on ABC, CBS, whatever other S, Fox, ESPN, the main. Yeah, of course you get better ratings. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, but uh yeah, it it's again, it's winnable. I'm not gonna call it weak because I don't know what some of these teams are gonna be about. I don't know what. Arizona is going to come in here with um, Tennessee Martin. I, I, they're, they're the Skyhawks, and I, I fear the Skyhawks more because the the Hawks that swim and just run aren't nearly as scary, but the Sky ones are scary. Um, and then, uh, I mean, this it's it just feels so foreign this schedule. All these teams. I mean, I just mentioned. Yeah, and then you close out the Big Twelve schedule with Arizona State and Cincinnati, huh? I mean, it's just it's it's gonna take some getting used to. And it's gonna take a while for us all to, you know, understand that <clears throat> Utah's, you know, one of the big boys. Kansas State's one of the big boys, Oklahoma State's one of the big UCL, whoever it is, when those teams surface, then we'll start associating tougher games with them. But this is all a fresh slate. I'll make a counterpoint. This is one of the hardest and toughest. Hmm
1: conference schedules and i'm going to include arizona in that you have arizona the Alamo bowl champs they beat oklahoma right you have oklahoma state big 12 championship game participant they sort of you have kansas who is up just i mean it's not the kansas of old you look at you know previous schedules that's a win you can circle on your calendar granted yes it's in manhattan this year but it wasn't like last year's game was easy and that's going to be the theme. Do you think
3: fans will be a little
1: stoked after a month with no home games to have Kansas and They're going to be excited. I think they will be quite excited after four 90. weeks off. But you look at those first three games, those are very good opponents. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you look at the back end, Arizona State, Cincinnati, start off with UT Martin and F- FCS school. You know, it's there are some bad teams on here, but I would argue that playing Arizona – Oklahoma State and KU at home. You know, it's it's a favorable draw for K State, but those are certainly tough games. And if those were reversed, I don't know if K State wins those games.
3: Agreed. Any thoughts over there, Gills? Anything? I
0: got say? two words, Fitz. You know what they are?
1: Uh, I'm ugly.
3: I agree. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you are ugly, though. Yeah, I, I'm aware of that. That's why I'm wearing this to cover up the sides of my face. The headphones make me more attractive. Last question of the first half is from Kat Colo. I think this is a K-State fan in Kahlo. I'm going to guess that he or she will go to the Boulder game.
1: That's my guess. I think think they're probably interested. Mm -hmm. Is there a reason why K-State has two bye weeks in this year's schedule? Is that true of all conference teams? And is this a good change overall?
3: Zach, explain
1: it. I, I did explain it a little earlier, but essentially... When you have an early Labor Day, so on the first or second, and then it just really screws up my fashion. when it you like wearing white a lot.
3: I know I, did, I like I got white shoes I like to wear.
1: Um, so you have an early Labor Day, usually the first or second. And that means that the first weekend of December is going to be that Saturday is going to be the sixth or seventh, essentially. So it adds in an extra week into the calendar every, you know, four or five years, I think 2024 is definitely there. I believe 2025 will also have a similar setup to where there's probably going to be two bye weeks. But for the three or four other years between these instances, I think it's 2019 was the last time. I didn't look at 2020, but I would be fairly certain that 2020... It's probably fit, maybe not certain, but 50 50 that 2020 probably would have been a two by week year. It was a, I mean, they had three, but they only played 10 games. But anyway, um, essentially, it's just the way the calendar works and how conference championship games are scheduled. You know, maybe the NCAA will move up, you know, week one to what week zero is now. I think Mm -hmm. they probably should. Mm -hmm. I think everybody should be allowed to play on week zero. So everybody can get a second bye week. I, I think that I would prefer that. I think most teams would prefer well, that. Wouldn't it but, be
3: better for the players? Yeah, better right. for
1: the players. I mean, especially, especially if you are expecting the players, you know, from the top 12 teams in the country to play two additional games potentially than what the national champion has to play today, you know, I think that you're going to want to see some additional – You know, lengthening of the if you're going to lengthen the season on the on the back end, I think you should lengthen it on the front end. That way, you can have an extra period of rest. But I think it's I think that seasons with two bye weeks are good for college football. But is this a good change, bad change? It's just what happens. It's it's just how the calendar worked. So, question from Gills
2: or Zach.
0: Okay, is this intertwined with like? Because I remember when I was in college and stuff like. March Madness being on spring break or the Big 12 tournament was spring break? Is that is this all the a same? Similar
1: thing. Like this year, there's a bye week in basketball, which has been rare. Um, like I guess they did get rid of the SEC challenge, so that freed up a, an open Thank God. game day, which is probably nice. But yes, the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament are a week later than normal, but also the calendar does have to reset for that too. You can't just keep having it on the same, you know, dates and move it up 2 days. At a certain point the calendar resets and it goes back to, you know, the third week or whatever the yeah, the technical okay. start date is, but just kind of a weird year, 2024 having extra stuff. And we get a February 29th. And we get Oh, oh, it is leap year. It is a leap year. So happy birthday to all those 6-year-olds.
3: <laughs> do you, do you know the, we're supposed to have 13 months? 24. That they Change the calendar at some point, and there's supposed to be 13 months. Maybe. And um, <clears throat> this is what I was told. Yeah, I was on that TikToker, you know, where mm. uh, all the everything's true. Um, and there's supposed to be 13 months, and if you do 13 divided by 20 or whatever, you end up with one extra day, and that's supposed to be Christmas. That's not a month. in a month. It's supposed to stand alone. That's it. this is what I learned from the TikToker. I also learned that uh, aliens are you might be an alien huh and i think gills is a lizard person let's see that that's believable that's it for the first half of the power cat uh podcast it's a questions podcast but we've kind of gotten away from those brandings and just we're just doing the power cat podcast now it's fancy but we are sponsored by the fridge and let's take a break right now hear from our sponsors
0: we'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors
1: Please visit The Fridge Wholesale Liquor, located at the corner of Claflin
0: and Westport Road in Manhattan, Kansas.
2: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
0: Welcome back to the show. Let's return to the
3: Cats and Dogs studio. We are back. I forgot to play the music. This is just too much for me. I can't. You need a board-off, I know. You need to hire one. He really does. These <laughs> fancy guys like at WIBW and those big-time things, uh, they got board ops. They got someone running the show. We're supposed to do it all. This music going to fade out like I planned. Oh, it did. Look at that. That's fancy. Every time
1: I hear Cats and Dogs Studio, I think of the Nickelodeon show from the late 90s, early 2000s called Cat Dog. Cat Dog? Cat Dog. It was a... Was
3: it about Daphne?
1: It was a one-animal... One end was a cat. One end was a dog.
3: So like Willie Wildcat, but with a dog instead of a human
1: <laughs> for legs. Yeah. Like there's no rear end. It is two heads. I got two animals four uh, four legs. There's no, there is no there's bottom. No, there's no butt. There's no butt.
3: How does one poop?
1: That's immediately what I think. There was a question that was not answered
0: yeah it can't be
3: answered yeah. i'm sure
0: you could find that on tiktok right fits you're probably on that yeah yeah yeah. I'll get to the TikTok tic- already. i like to
3: call it tiktoker uh because it makes it sound more action based um but yeah i have to look that up um but i one of my one of my pals robbie who uh now does stuff for another podcast uh, the locked on one uh, he helps out uh with drake if you're not watching the lockdown big 12 drake's awesome He's also the play-by-play voice of Savannah Bananas. Anyhow, Robbie uh, took took Willie to task that it's his least favorite mascot because it doesn't make sense that we exclude the best parts of the cat and make them human. I'm like, what are you talking about? Isn't the face of the cat the most important part? No, he thinks it's something else. And Robbie apparently likes cat butts and will not lie.
1: Willie should have furry arms, furry legs, and a tail. I'm on the record of saying that Willie should have a tail.
3: I I wish we could do surveys on the podcast. Maybe we can. I I see people doing surveys on the YouTube machine, and and but I like maybe we should do it on our message board, where it's VIP only. Nobody would agree with me. I want to know. Are is this a radical stand? Like you're in the ten percent or fewer minority, or is there like a secret stash of case Staters like at forty percent? Are like yeah, we'll need the whole body, and we don't know about it. Isn't Riley part of that gang? I don't know. I don't know what danger. can I'm sure makes. he's
0: got a strong, strong opinion one way or another
3: yes yes he does he always has strong opinions and i am of strong opinion that you should go to the fridge wholesale liquor get your cat butts into the fridge whenever you're in town and i don't know when that'll be next maybe monday night against kansas right there in the octagon of doom but get to the fridge they're wonderful people great selection great service the Fred's Wholesale Liquor at the corner of this or that in the town in which we live and on with the podcast. Back to Zach Carlson with your questions from Wabash
1: Station. First question is from Fervent Purple K State couldn't score 20 points
3: in a half of basketball. Discuss. They scored 12 in the second half against Nebraska. I, I point this out so that you understand it could have been worse. It was horrible. It was horrendous. They couldn't even get into offense. This wasn't because K-State couldn't hit shots. They couldn't take good shots because Oklahoma's defense was that good, and Kansas State was not prepared to handle it. They don't have a true point guard, and it is now on full blast for everyone to see. they got to figure this out, or this is going to be repeated in almost every Big 12 game in which the coach can get his players to defend the same way now Houston and Oklahoma have. They couldn't run offense for almost the entire first half. It was really painful. Zach, go ahead. I don't have anything else waiting on you.
0: I mean, I just don't even know where to start. There's no question. It says discuss. Like, there's so many. There's a lot of issues, right, going on with K-State basketball. You lose three in a row. um, But I think some perspective is needed here. Two of those three came away from home. And so there's no real shame in losing to Iowa State or Houston, in my opinion. Now, that loss on Tuesday to Oklahoma, that was bad. You know, the offense was terrible. And I've been one of the biggest Tyler Perry critics out there. But, I mean, TP was the guy that kept K-State in that game Uh, in the second second half. half, So, you know, against Houston, it was Cam Carter, right? He kind of kept K-State afloat for a while, even though it was a a really ugly game. Am I here? You guys see me? You hear me? Yeah, Yeah, I went away for a sec. Um, That's best. uh, has obviously shown his abilities to score. So they've got the pieces there. Um, it's just really challenging, I think. I don't know if it's this is on the staff. I know Jerome Tang would tell you that it is on his staff. He took all the blame against uh, after that loss against Oklahoma. He took all the blame. And so I don't know if it's really truly on the staff or these players just need to step up. But, I mean, the, the guys are there. The scorers are there. Um, it's just a matter of of getting, you know, two of those three on any given night to have a good night if all three of them are playing well and scoring okay you're, you're going to be tough to beat but obviously that hasn't been the case OU's, a, OU's a, a strong defensive team Houston is a dang good defensive team probably the best in the country Iowa State is probably one of the more aggressive defensive teams you know forcing so many turnovers and so you know the Big 12 is tough and this is kind of the reality of this league but you know, defensively going up against strong defensive teams, I think that's one of the bigger weaknesses of this team. And so I don't want to hit the panic button too much. I mean, I guess you can hit it, right? But I'm not hitting it over and over again. And neither is Jerome Tang. He, he mentioned that again after the Oklahoma game that they're four and four. Um, and obviously they've lost three in a row. They were four and one. You move to four and four, right? So there is panic. If K State was, you know, one and four, right? and and they moved to four and four, right? K-State fans would be ecstatic after a three-game winning streak. And so it's just the timing of when these losses have happened. To be 500 in the best league in America, there's no shame in that. And so obviously you've got to get things turned around. I mean, their stock is plummeting right now, but guys, if I were to tell you this, that K-State would not have Naquan Tomlin or Quez Glover play in a single game all season long, and they'd be 500 of the Big 12, I think we'd take that, especially... When you lose Marquise Noel, Keontae Johnson, you know, you lose so much from last season. Um, I think I, I think Naquan Tomlin's, like, departure is huge because he was in the works to be a superstar 100%. But, but the Quez Glover <coughs> – Jack,
1: right? Sorry, yeah, I'm but, sick.
0: Um, I think Quez Glover's though, is a little exaggerated just because of the struggles of Tyler Perry, right? If Tyler Perry was the point guard that we thought he was going to be and he was the best shooter in America that we were told he was going to be. We wouldn't really be putting much of a focus on Quez Glover's absence. But since Perry has struggled, this team doesn't have a real point guard. And, you know, Day Ames is like the only guy that can really run the point for this team. That's why people are kind of so, I guess, caught up in Quez Glover. But you guys got to remember that he didn't get to Manhattan like a month before the season or two months before the season. Like he wasn't necessarily in the works for this offense throughout the entire offseason, they went to a five out system to cater to bigs, not the the guards like Quest Glover. And so, yeah, you'd love to have like RJ Jones run the point, but you know, he's a freshman um, Dorian Finister, you know, I just, I think he's kind of hit his ceiling. He's coming back down to earth after that run, he had to start big 12 played. So by and large taking a step back, I know that was a lot, but you know, they're four and four. And I think that's the biggest takeaways. Yes. This team needs to get better 100%, but you know, Jerome Tang said it before the seat before Big 12 play, right? Win nine games and you're going to get in the NCAA right. tournament in his mind. Right. And so five more wins, plenty of quadrant one opportunities out there. You know, the season's not over, but I'm not going to dismiss the fact that K-State has to turn this around. You know, Jerome Tang shot it down that his team is in a good spot, which is true. But you've got to be smart and look at the last three games. They've been really, really
1: ugly.
3: Yeah, they have been. I but- I'm going to panic if they lose Saturday at Oklahoma State because then they come home Monday and play Kansas. And and I said when this seven game streak started, span started, we're three games into that now, <clears throat> that if Kansas State can go 2 and 5, it's okay. They're at, they're at 500 coming out of this incredible stretch. But I thought Oklahoma would be one that they might win. So now the pressure's on them. They've got to go to Stillwater and get that road game back because they they now just surrendered their West Virginia win on the road by losing at home. They need to get it back, come home and play Kansas and see what happens. Every game's self-contained. So I don't think beating Oklahoma State is essential to beating Kansas, which is so weird, but that's the way this conference rolls. I think if they can beat Oklahoma State, it might enhance their opportunities, build their confidence back going into Kansas – But I've seen K-State get up for a Kansas game when they've been playing like trash. But, you know, getting that one win, ending this streak at three, losing streak, instead of letting get to four before you play Kansas, I think it would be pretty healthy for the psyche. I
1: think it's frustrating the last three games watching them, seeing K-State struggle. But at the same time, these are three really good basketball teams. They're all in the top 25. They're all ranked. I mean, that's that was the reality going into this little seven-game stretch that we talked about. I think only one team wasn't ranked, and that's Oakland State. Sorry. Right. So, that's you know, you, you've you got to go on Saturday to Stillwater and get that win back. Um, but, you know, we were a little optimistic last week. We wanted to see how things went at Iowa State and Houston. If you can go one and one last week, you know, you feel really good. But now the opposite's true. Yep. You know, we talked about, you know, that – Two and five being a reality, you got to hope that that's still the case. But you got to go out and find another win somewhere. Unfortunately,
0: I mean T.J. Outzelberger with you know everything that's gone on, you know, shoving that aside, he's still a, a solid coach in the Big Twelve, right? Yeah. Kelvin Sampson's a top ten, maybe top yeah. five coach in the country. Yeah, I agree. And then Porter Moser, guys, I thought he was going to lose his job like after last season. Me and Zach were down there in Norman. There's just no life, no energy in that, you know, Lloyd Noble Center. Um, and you know, just, he, Kellis Robinette asked him two questions post game and that was it. So it was very short and nobody else had anything to ask him, but no media traveled. with. Yeah. It was crazy. Isn't that insane for a top 25 team for what a four or five hour drive up North. But from what we heard from him, I was very, um, I I, I thought he, okay. I was like, okay, this guy's a quality coach. Um, he mentioned the defensive effort, you know, locking in for 40 minutes and that's why real Oklahoma won that game. And I can't remember the specifics. Do you guys remember one of the OU players went down and scored, was chirping, got a technical, and then one of his teammates was up in his face. Um, you know, what are you doing, man? Like, you just cost us. You know, that, now they're going to go get free throws. That's the culture. That's a sign of a good team um, with good chemistry. You know, one guy messes up, they're going to be held accountable. And so that, that is the reality of the Big 12. You're facing these good teams, so you can't really escape it. Um, but it does give you some perspective that K-State did lose to three very good teams.
3: Yeah, it's it's tough stretch. I mean <coughs> you mentioned Calvin Sampson, but Port Mosier, too has been into a Final Four. I think yes. uh Otzelberger watched one on TV once. No, nah, I look he's a great he's a great coach. Man, that the the, the type of defense they play is um really impressive. Uh, and if they they get away with some of the body contact, which Oklahoma did last night, then it's in, it's incredibly effective. The thing I liked about Houston, though, is we talked about that the defense here, is they seem to do a lot of the defending without the kind of fouling that you often see. It was just, they were just like there. I mean, they were just everywhere. It was kind of creepy. I think they have magic powers. That's not allowed. You can't use magic in college basketball. It's a rule. It's a rule.
0: Portland Modes hey. to the
3: Final Four? Yeah. Who'd they, who'd they beat in the, to get there? I don't want to talk about it. I Sorry, it's, had to do it's it. Not, it's not, why, do you, why do you do that? You're part of a, a K-State podcast, and you just, like, bear the wounds of the fan base right here on the podcast, which now is on video, so everyone gets to see your evil, evil skills. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. Next question is from Get Off The Schneid. Are there any... Are there actually any dudes on this basketball roster? And then he puts dude dudes in quotes as
3: I see what you're doing there. There's a lot of dudes. They're just not ready to be dudes. I think the young guys are gonna be dudes. I think Cam Carter's a dude. He's just gotta work on his ball handling. By God, Cam, please spend your offseason working on your handle. You just got to, man. Um yeah, it's, it's not what we thought it would be. But as Ryan Gilbert said, when you start the season and you know two of the guys that you think are going to be in your main six, seven-man rotation suddenly aren't there, including a potential all-Big 12-type player, and I'm not going to say his name, but it uh, it's Naquan. Um, it just makes it really difficult. And it they've done a good job overcoming it. But as I said on my post-game talk, uh, the Big 12 isn't just competitive. They're incredible coaches, and all of your weaknesses get just exposed. And that's what's happened to K-State. Now they have to answer and find a solution to some of these weaknesses and overcome it, or this is going to be what they do this season. Just a total nosedive.
0: I mean, a lot of what sports are, just copying what you see on tape from what Absolutely. another team did well, right? And so now that K-State's – I feel like this is the bottom. You would hope this is the bottom – that now this staff can look and say, okay, you know, this is what's happening. Now I'm not, I, none of us are smart enough to realize those nuances, the X's and O's, all those schematics, but I'm sure that Rodney Perry and Yurik and all these, you know, they're going to, they're going to tune in on some of these things. So um, you you, you bring up a good point, Fitz, but this team does not have Marquise Noel or Keontae Johnson. Those guys were dudes like the, in their DNA, especially just with Marquise being a point guard, like, I don't know if you guys like believe in God or whatever, but like Marquise Noel was born to be a point guard, right? Right. He is just so natural at playing that position. You know, K-State doesn't necessarily have any of those guys that are natural at at doing what they do, right? Like, you know, Cam's a great scorer and all this, and now you can bring up positives, but Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson were dudes, and that's where K-State's struggling right now. I think this this coaching staff tried to instill. In Tyler Perry that he is a dude he's a great player he can score absolutely but he's just not a, he's not that guy he's not Marquise Noel I think you look at him if you're TP and you watch Noel last year okay I can come in and be this guy it's tough to be Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson <clears throat> who are now in the, the NBA next up all-star game however that works right well,
3: Um, go ahead Fitz I, look you had two dudes next year or excuse me last year and and they kind of amplified each other. I mean, they sure. were better okay. as individuals because of the pairing. And I feel like if Arthur Kaluma had another dude out there, cause he's a dude to me, he's a dude, but he needs help. Sure. He, uh, you know, he's not a, he's not one of those guys that can just go do it on his own. Uh, he, you know, if the defense wants to take away something from him, they can still um, he's <clears> incredibly <throat> athletic, but if he had someone that could create like Marquise around him, I can't imagine how good he'd be. So um yeah, just the lack of a true point guard has turned into just a incredible Achilles heel for this team.
1: I think there's dudes, but is there any leaders? Yeah. I just I don't know who the leader of this team is right now. You want to say it's Tyler Perry, but you look at some of the decisions he makes out on the court, and they're just not what you'd expect a yeah. leader to do. Bingo, you know, I think Arthur Kaluma should probably be that leader, but it he just seems not like he doesn't want to do it, but he just, you know, there's no ownership, I guess. Like, I feel like he could take it and be the leader, own everything, make this team his, but he just, he doesn't. You know, he has the skills to be that guy for K-State. I just don't know what's, what's holding him back there. You know, it could be Cam Carter if he wanted to, you know, game in, game out, like you said, work on his handle, do other stuff. But it just, it doesn't feel like there is... A guy on this team that wants to own this team everybody's there you know that maybe and maybe this is you know what the coaching staff sold them we've got dudes everybody thinks they're a dude but nobody is the dude so I just I don't know what needs to change over the next few games but I, I think it's somebody needs to be the leader
3: can you imagine if my dogs were in the studio with us right now Dude would think we're doing a whole segment on him. And he'd be so confused because <laughs> yeah. he's a dog. And dogs don't typically listen to podcasts. That's so just a little scientific fact that threw it.
0: Um, to back up your point, Zach, uh, Will McNair played 10 minutes against Oklahoma. And Jerome Tang mentioned post game that he didn't think he was locked in. And I I would agree with that. I think yeah. it was the first or second, maybe third possession of the game. McNair just kind of fumbled a ball away, and I was like, "All right, that's kind of how this night's going to go for him." And and Tang and his staff realized that. Now Tang did take blame, like I mentioned earlier, for the loss. He said it was on him for not having these players locked in. But to, to what Zach said, like that's a sign of, like, if Barry Brown was in charge of this team, Will McNair would have been locked in, right? Am I wrong? Like,
3: oh, you're not if right.
0: A leader in the locker room, that doesn't happen when you have a dude um, that alpha you're not going to have guys that are, are, are not locked in. And so obviously that when you don't have a Barry Brown, your locker room gets exploded. Right. And so I'm not, I'm not blaming Tang for not having like that leader. Um, but Will McNair, I think is a really good example of that. Now, again, again, Tang took blame for it, for not having him locked in. But I think that kind of tells you all you need to know when he plays 10 minutes, but just back to the, the, the previous point though, you got to play with some swagger, right? You got to play with confidence, I think Desi Sills is a perfect example of that from last year, being a dude. He was not the most gifted player in the world, but he can go out and score. And he was so fearless. I, I remember in Kansas City against TCU in the Big 12 tournament, he had like seven right eight blocks. Um, you just don't see like Dorian Finister playing with that. He's passing up open shots. Um, not everybody on the roster is being timid and shy, but you've got to be aggressive. And that's part of being a dude is just going out and getting your own. Um, and so that's where this team again is just kind of lacking right now. You gotta be if you want to be a dude, but you can't overdo it, right? Tyler Perry I think has pushed too much at point at times this season, and then I think a little recently he stepped back and wasn't aggressive enough. I think he was good against um, against Oklahoma finding that balance, but you, you've gotta you've gotta have that aggressiveness, but you also can't overdo it and just force up prayers like we've seen Tyler Perry do. But also credit where it's due, TP was solid against OU, you know, finding his his good shots.
3: Once he got going in the second half, first half, he couldn't even get into offense, and he's just got a horrible habit of uh, if they're running down the shot clock of starting, trying to engage the offense way too late. Uh, At least once a game, he'll get himself in a position where he's got to just throw something up that isn't even a real shot, or he dumps it off to a teammate who gets the turnover for a shot clock violation because he catches the ball like Arthur Kaluma did last night with about .7 on the shot clock. I mean, these are some bad habits that he's got to clean up if this team wants to win close games.
1: And I feel like there's too much variance in the rotation right now, especially this late in the season. You usually know who you have for your guys, but you're going games where Dorian plays a lot, Michaela Rich doesn't play a lot, or maybe he plays a little bit more. You have Taj Manning going in, Earl yep. Colbert. Like, it just it feels like the coaching staff doesn't know who the dudes are, too, like – it feels like they're just throwing stuff at the wall to seeing what sticks. Like, th- I think that, like, that's kind of Tang's point, I think, saying this is on me. I think that they're realizing we don't have a set rotation right now of, you know, what works. You know, by this point, I think eight guys, nine guys maybe were playing regularly last year. You know, like Tykee Green really wasn't a factor uh, uh, for the most part. He might play a few minutes here and there, but, you know, coming to tournament time, he, he really wasn't playing. He was Keontae's
0: backup, pretty much.
1: Yeah, like he, you know, that's the type of guy where I don't know who the comparison would be this year, you know, for this team. But it just feels like there's too many guys on the bench. I would love them all to play well when they come in, but there's just so much variance. You don't know what you're going to get when K-State struggles. and, And maybe there's an X's and O's thing that I'm just not picking up on, but generally your guys are your guys yep. and you can go ask them you know hey we need eight points and four boards from you off the bench in 20 minutes like you know there should be some benchmarks there no pun intended for your bench guys of saying hey we expect this of you each and every night and it just it feels like k-state's still trying to find out too much about themselves almost halfway into conference play
3: i agree i agree with Again. all that I, I just this is just such a frustrating state they're in because so much of it isn't of their own making. Um, You know, they, they flat got beat on some recruits, some transfer portal guys. And, and then, you know, you lose one, the transfer portal guy you think is going to help with your guard situation.
0: Again, Zach, you, you mentioned you don't know who's going to step up off the bench, right? Like last year, Desi Sills, before he was inserted into the starting lineup was like the sixth man that you could count on game in and game out to give you that energy, that boost. Um, That was you know, part of this team's identity. Right. And, and you just don't have that some games like early on in the year, it was Day Day Ames to start off big 12 play Dorian Finister was that guy, you know, Taj Manning hit a three. And like, it's just, those are great to get those contributions, but finding that consistency in your lineups, you know, it's January 31st right now as we're recording this, right. You've got to, you know, I think Kels Robinette asked him like the first game of the year, second game of the year, when this was happening, when are you going to start to you know, figure out your, your lineups and what you like and what you don't? Um, and Tang said, you know, you'll, you'll figure it out Like once you start to see that answer will answer itself, right? It, it hasn't. I, I don't think we've seen that yet, guys.
3: Yeah, I agree.
1: Next question is from Kat in KC. <clears throat> I bet he's me. from Kansas City. He's probably from Kansas City. How many more performances before the fans stop coming?
3: Oh, they're nowhere close to that. Now, if Kansas comes in on Monday night and absolutely destroys K-State, I mean, it humiliates them. That could have an impact. But uh, there, there's so few games left at home this season where they're down, I don't even know. I can't math it out. They there's five nine. home games. There are five more? KU. That's good enough for me. I'll trust you at five. <laughs> KU, TCU, BYU. Yeah, they're at four and four because I they've the- played four on the road, four at home, right? So, yeah, I look. These fans aren't giving up, but I did appreciate that Jerome Tang started his radio show last night with an apology because it was a good crowd. There was a lot of people there. And from the get-go, K-State wasn't ready. The crowd was ready, but the team just didn't lock in and, and do anything effective for the first almost 10 minutes of the game. How they were even in the game at one point in the second half remains a minor miracle, but they spent so much energy trying to catch up but the second something went wrong in that run, Oklahoma took back over. It's it. It was a forgetful night, let's put it that way, or a memorable night, depending on how you want to look at this. Gills, nothing. nothing. got nothing. Uh, nothing. Uh, no. See, Gills. I, this, yeah, we we expect I'll, you to perform. Yeah, I'll. you're on a podcast as a basketball guy. Do it.
0: I I don't okay, want to like true. say I don't want to entertain this question cuz it's valid, right? That, that was ugly against Oklahoma. The game against Nebraska was ugly. And so I get the question, but I just we're not there yet. Like you said Fitz, you kind of hit it on the head. Um especially with there's only 5 home games left, right? There's, you know, it with everything that Jerome Tang has done and I've always said this whether it was when there was two players that stuck around from Bruce Weber's staff and everyone's like, what the heck's going on here to, you know, last year, K-State lost four out of five in big 12 play. Everybody thought the world was ending. Uh, Jerome Tang has earned our trust uh, as a head coach that he's going to figure things out. And I would highly assume that the K-State fan base, the students share that opinion with me that what, you know, this little funk that they're in right now is something they can snap out of. So you know, I, I would expect a rocking Bramwich Coliseum on is it Monday right against KU. Um, I think it's, you know, there's, we're not there yet. We're not there yet.
1: I think for, you know, as great as Jerome Tang has been over the last 18 months, almost two years now, fans have loved him. But at the same time, the fans don't come to the games to watch Jerome Tang. They come to watch the players. And kind of like what we've talked about, there's guys, there's no, Real leader, there's no real star, I think, right now that the fans can connect to. I think Tyler Perry is probably should be that player right now. You know, you've got like we've said, Cam, Arthur, Tyler, those guys need to play well. You know, if 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 Casey's losing games and there's no quote unquote superstar, you know, a leader that's going out every night putting on good performances, it's hard to. Like, I feel like at this point in the season, this is one of the I don't want to say worst teams State's had, but just hard to to watch as a fan. There's no real connection to like, you know, like last year you had Marquise, you had Keontae, like you could buy into those guys and mm-hmm. watch them night in, night out, knowing that they're going to perform. You can't say the same thing about this team. And I think that's where you lose interest is just you don't know what you're going to get. And, you know. I think that's going to affect fan attendance if K State keeps, you know, sliding here. But, you know, we've talked about this tough stretch. You know, K State needs to stick it out. I think they will stick it out. But, you know, that TCU game, that BYU game, I don't know what the fan attendance is going to be like if, if K State is still sitting on four games, I'll four say, wins.
3: I'll say this. I'll just add this in. If, they, if this spiral continues, I, I think where you see an impact is on those weeknight games, the middle of the week, they're playing at seven or eight. I'm, I'm not coming in. I'll just watch this one on TV. And I think that's where the erosion will happen. The students will be there. Students are incredible. They'll be there. They'll do their thing. Um, and the locals will be there. Um, Dancy Granny will, will be there because um, you can't miss now. She's got a job. And um, Did they put her on the yeah, Jumbotron last oh, night? Yeah.
1: Okay, I missed that.
3: Yeah, that one's worn out for me. But anyhow, um, I just... Uh, again, they better win at Oklahoma State to kind of get themselves going again uh, and uh, get themselves right.
0: Fake patties, is that a home game this year?
3: I have no idea. I'm pretty sure it
1: is. I don't know. I don't know. When they didn't have fake patties on February 29th in 2020, Mm -hmm. which would have been the most amazing leap day fake patties ever, like there's like one opportunity that you can do it, and they didn't do it. That's the day fake patties died. Oh, it died. Yeah, and I don't care.
3: It isn't the same. But uh, I do think they should uh, have more fake holidays. I'm on the record with yeah. this. And I think now you've brought up the possibility that uh, three out of four years, you can have fake leap year on March 1st. You could. You're welcome, Aggie. Good. Last question anyway, of the podcast. I, yes. I was going to say, was okay. if,
0: if it is a home game, like, you know, if you're a student in case it keeps losing, then maybe like, you know, why would I want to yeah. go see this game? Whether I can right. still get drunk in Aggieville. That's maybe the only like real concern for me. But anyways.
1: Yeah. Anyway, last question of the podcast from Kned. Is it just me or was that too odd or off-brand a Jerome Tank press conferences in the last consecutive days? Apologizing to the commissioner and then followed by things that happened and didn't have the team, didn't have the team ready to play.
3: Oh, I mean, I think it goes back to Iowa State. I think Coach Tang as a second-year head coach – has fallen into the trap of letting outside things distract him. He was upset about the Iowa State situation, but he thought he handled it personally. Um, and unfortunately, it, it leaked out, not in the way Iowa State fans think, but it just got out because coaches talk to each other. And... Um, That kind of blew up. I thought it was going away, and Iowa State seems to want to perpetuate this, which is just odd. But And then you turn around uh, with calling out a referee in a post-game press conference is Houston, which is not like him, but he was upset that the – I don't know what the ref said to Cam Carter, uh, but he was pretty pissed. I I don't know what it was. I mean, it was like, you don't say that to my player. You come say that to me. I think he's got himself a little bit distracted, and so when he says this loss is on me, I kind of wonder if he feels like I got to lock in better. I've got too much of this outside noise going. Uh, I did. I was critical of him for uh, brandishing a sword in front of the media on uh, on his press conference Monday, and I thought, you know, you know, look. It, People are saying you're unstable, and now you brought a sword to a press conference, which is kind of funny. He was explaining his his old forged thing. And, uh, of course, Iowa State fans found offense to that too. But anyhow, <clears throat> you, you got to get locked back in on the basketball thing. Put this away. Let other people worry about it, which I, I honestly think he thought he had with Iowa State. I don't understand the press conference at Iowa State, just say, "Look, we looked into it. Nothing there. We want to be clear. We're not doing this." But instead, it just gets amplified and blown up, and and now we're still talking about Iowa State might be spying on Huddles because Iowa State won't stop talking about it. It's just bizarre to me. There's there's some of the worst media handling of these situations going on right now uh, with some of these coaches. Um, but thanks credit on Monday, he wouldn't touch it. And he, he did his apology. He shot down talking about um, Spygate and then just moved on. And he, he's got to do that. He's just It's time to move on. Oklahoma State can be the only thing they're thinking about right now, period. I just
0: – only thing I'll say is I, I, I don't think Jerome Tang even knows the answer. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But I don't know if he is doing this sort of like – consciously or subconsciously right like is he trying to make excuses or you know maybe justify these losses in his mind or is that i i, I don't know and deep down i think only drum tang knows that or maybe he doesn't even know the answer to that but i'm sure he's probably in his head a little bit with all the success and everything good that's gone on at kansas state you know, now you're in the midst of the worst three-game stretch bluntly put of his entire head coaching career and so um I think uh, he just maybe doesn't know how to deal with this. Right. And that's not a knock on him. Right. When everything's been going so smoothly and um, you hit a bump in the road, you know, that's kind of natural, but I don't know. I don't know if this is like, I would love to just give him some truth serum and, and ask him, you know, what's really, what's really going on here. Is this, is this subconscious? Or is this really, are you, is this calculated? Because there is so much stuff that Jerome Teng does um, in the media that's calculated.
3: Okay. Can you buy that truth serum on, on the
0: Amazon? I'm sure it's on TikTok, TikTok shop. Yeah, TikTok shop, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yes, I'm true, sir. It's probably probably, uh, the real Chinese stuff, too. But look, um, he needs to move on. He needs to get his team reset. Uh, You know, they need to get back to the X's and O's. And and the other layer here is, I think, word amongst the refs is uh, Tang's kind of unhinged right now. I thought he was being very careful with how he interacted with officials. Um, against Oklahoma. I thought he yep. was yep. conscious of that. Uh, officials are, it's a club. I mean, it's you against the world. And so they interact with each other. They work with each other. I mean, it's not the same set crews every time. Uh, and uh, I'm sure the word's out. Uh, Jerome is uh calling us out and and let's teach him a lesson. That's how those things work. And I don't know that he got taught a lesson. I think his team was so ineffective for most of the game on Tuesday night that uh, the referees didn't have to intervene in any way; they took care of it themselves. Right. I, it? Think, I mean, that's it.
1: Good against
0: Iowa State. Like Jerry Pollard was the topic of discussion and all this and that. But like, I remember when Drum when Dorian Finister got elbowed and was bleeding from the mouth. There was no review or anything. Like right after that, there were two tic tac fouls called on Iowa State, and so Drum Tang really didn't have much to say about. Um, the officiating, like, from that game. I think it was maybe consistently annoying or poor or whatever, but it was consistent, right? So, Drum Tang isn't going to speak up um, on these things unless he views it, you know, one-sided, like he mentioned that Cam Carter, uh, you know, exchange that he had with the referee. So, mm-hmm. I, as I get it, like, this is random, but the Jerry Pollard thing from Iowa State when he looked away, like, yeah, we can say what we want about Pollard, but Tang didn't the story of that game was not the officiating. It was the Iowa State huddle stuff. So, you know what I mean?
3: Yeah. I'm I'm still bewildered why that play wasn't reviewed. It's disgusting it wasn't reviewed. So It was almost like Jerry Pollard knew he wasn't looking at the right place and he didn't want to bring further attention to it. Because if you go review that, the whole world's going to look the ref's not even looking at the court when this happened. He's looking into the crowd. Yeah. just
1: looking for cell phones filming. Cell phones oh.
0: <laughs> Well, Fran, I tweeted out a picture of Finister's, you know, lip getting, I think Luke Sauber was treating him. And Fran had replied to my tweet and said that Jerome Tang could have called for a review. Um, And the blood from Finister's mouth could have been enough to, like, by rule, the, the referees would have to look at it, right? But I don't know if Jerome Tang just missed it. I don't know if Pollard said, no, we're not doing that. I don't know the specifics on that, but... Um, I know that Tang could have had a chance to to um ask for a review. I don't know if he exercised that or not, but that's technically the, the right of the coach.
3: Okay. That's it for this edition of the PowerCat podcast. We got a little bit long, but so much to discuss. Not great stuff. I mean Gilbert gets
0: fired it's... up when there's hoops basketball. I know. Right? No, first yeah. half, I'm all yeah, schedule this, schedule that. But boy, I'm on the edge
3: of my seat here in the second half. Yeah, that's that skills. He's a pain in the Anyhow, um, that's it for this week's edition. We appreciate you watching or listening or um, if you were in on the sign language version. Zach, you got to learn sign language. It's a new thing. Oh, um, yeah, that's it for the podcast. We're going to go away. Thanks to the fridge. You guys are swell. This has been a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production.
1: Please support this show by subscribing to this YouTube channel or follow us on your favorite podcast
3: platform.